0: Well, hello and welcome to Vaughn Forest. Hey, before we get started today, can y'all do me a favor? Will y'all let the worship team know how much we appreciate them? That was amazing, right? They did an awesome job leading us this morning and they do such a great job every single week. Matt Collins, our worship pastor, and he he is a a God-honoring, humble servant. And um, I love getting to do ministry with him. And uh, he's built this team. And so many of you Um, serve every week, and maybe you're just off this week, and then all of you who are serving this Sunday, thank you. Man, we are blessed, blessed, blessed. Let's not ever take that for granted. Hey, if we haven't had a chance to meet, my name's Adam, one of the pastors here, and it's good to see so many of you on our campus. Let me welcome everybody joining us online. Now, if you're new today, if you're just jumping in, uh, good news, we just kicked off the series last week, so you haven't missed a whole lot. This is week two of From Stressed It's a bless, and for six weeks we're talking about how we can move to experience God's blessing in our life in many of the areas that oftentimes are characterized by stress. And if you missed the kickoff uh, last week, let me encourage you to go back and uh, either watch or listen to the message this week. I was thinking about it this week. 22 years of ministry, I think that might be one of the most significant messages I've ever preached. Not because I'm significant, but because God's Word is significant. And we looked at John chapter 3, and we talked about how we move from stress to blessed with our eternity. That the Bible teaches that where we spend all of eternity has nothing to do with what's going on on the external of our life, but everything to do with whether or not we've experienced heart change that can only be brought through the person of Jesus Christ. Why? He's the only one who went to the cross. He's the only one who defeated death. He's the only one that offers you eternal life. And when you experience that eternal life, you're born again, what we talked about last week. And you can have peace when it comes to where you will face and where you will spend all of eternity. So it's a foundational message, not just for this series, but it is literally the message for how you become a follower of Jesus. Now, if you missed that, like I said, you can always catch the whole service on demand at vaughnforest.com. We have a Vaughn Forest YouTube channel, but we've recently added another way that you can access the content throughout the week with the sermon, and that's through a Vaughn Forest sermon podcast. Now, we have our other six podcasts. We're 55 episodes into that. Um, for spiritual growth throughout the week. But this is a podcast that's separate that's just the audio of each week's sermon. So if you prefer to access it that way, it's a little safer than trying to watch the sermon while you're driving. We do not advocate that, all right? So you can listen to it while you're driving, and it's just one more way you can pick up on that content. So let me tell you where we're going to go today. Week two, we're going to talk about maybe a topic you think about, perhaps a topic you don't think about. But by the end of our time together today, you'll have seen a lot of what God's Word has to say about time. So how do we move from stressed to blessed with my time, okay? And God's Word actually has a lot to say about time. So I'm going to go up top and tell you, ask you, grab your message notes, all right? Those of you on our campus, you're going to look at them and you're going to sigh. You're going to go, oh my, we're going to be here all day, okay? No, you're not going to be here all day. There are a lot of fill-ins. We'll get to those in just a minute. If you're online, you can access them here at vaughnforce.com. So we're going to get to those in just a second. We'll move through them quickly. But before we do, I need to give you three foundational thoughts about time. I like to just make sure we're all on the same page. Like, what do we really mean when we talk about experiencing blessing with our time? Why are we talking about time? I mean, I get eternity. I understand why we talked about being born again last week. Why are we talking about time today, all right? I didn't put these in your notes. Perhaps you want to jot them down somewhere. Just kind of some foundational thoughts. How we use our time is how we live our life. So that's the answer to the question, why are we talking about this in the series? That our life is actually a gift, God has given us our life. And how we live that life in honor, in reverence, and worship of Him, God's Word said, is actually how we worship Him. And how we spend our time is actually how we live our life. And so time is actually one of the most important things we can talk about as we honor God with our lives. Second foundational thought, time is a non-renewable resource. Once today is over, it's over. We never get today back. And we're only promised today. You know, you can always make more money. You can lose money, and then you can earn that money back. I don't advocate that approach, that strategy, but it is true, right? Money is not a non-renewable resource. Time is a non-renewable resource, which means it matters with how we use our time. And then kind of our last foundational thought, this one's challenging. Everybody gets the same amount of time. Not everybody has the same amount of money. Not everybody has the same opportunities in front of them. But time is the great equalizer. We're all given the same amount of of time Now, there's been a lot of times in my life, I hope I'm not the only person that says this from time to time, where I'll say something like, I just don't have enough time. I hope I'm not the only person that ever says that, okay? Because technically, that's not an accurate statement. We always have enough time. A more accurate statement would be, I'm just choosing not to use my time to do that, okay? We're all given the same amount of time. Some of us manage our time well. Some of us manage our time Poorly. Okay, So let me take you to our big idea for this series and see if we can kind of tie all of this together up top before we really dive into our action steps. Again, if you missed last week, I introduced this. We'll talk about it throughout the six weeks in our series. Moving from stressed to blessed has more to do with the internal condition of my heart than the external condition of my circumstances. This is why I started the series talking about where our heart is here, purpose, on this earth for this lifetime as determined by where we spend eternity With God and Jesus forever in heaven. Internal, heart change, born again. And for the believer, that's what determines our outlook, our attitude, our temperament, how we view challenges. See, being a Christ follower doesn't mean circumstances always go well, it just means we don't let that dictate and determine our level of joy. And there's this little passage in Luke chapter 12 where Jesus will connect the dots on this for us. That Jesus is going to talk about time, but he's going to talk about it in a way where we see that what's actually going on in here, in our heart, has a lot to do with the emotions that we experience when it comes to our time. So let me take you to this quick little passage, Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat, or your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Now look at what verse 25 says. Who of you by worrying can what? Add a single hour to your life. Isn't that interesting? That Jesus takes this emotion of worry and then connects it to time. And here's what Jesus would have us see today, that worry and stress... Are actually counterproductive when it comes to how we manage our time. That worry and stress are actually counterproductive with how we live our lives, with how we use our time. And if you want to combat stress, worry, anxiety when it comes to time in our life and not being able to get all done and feel like I'm being pulled in a hundred different directions, it's actually going to be more about what's going on inside here. A faith issue, a trust issue as it pertains to our walk with the Lord, God's control in our life, and God's sovereignty over everything that he has placed us in for such a time as this. So grab your message notes, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at 10 different ways. I know, 10, right? 10 ways to move from stress to bless. Now, I didn't create a top 10 list like old school, you know, late night talk show. I did not do that because there's not really an order of priority there's not really a particular order. There's just 10 of them, and I'm, I'm giving you 10 for a couple of reasons. One, the Bible has a whole lot to say about time, okay? So I could have done a lot more than 10, but I felt like 10, you know, since the Bible says a lot about this, let's do 10. But then the other more practical reason is I don't expect you to put all 10 of these into practice, In fact, let me give you a formula for um, failure. Try to put all 10 of these into practice, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to go through these. We're going to look at 10 different ways. Hey, put these into practice. Power of the Holy Spirit, not your own strength. Put them into practice and see if that helps experience time as a blessing rather than a stressor. And then at the end of our time together today, I'm going to challenge you. All right, what are the one, two, or three That maybe throughout the message today, you kind of felt that prompting. All right, Lord, I'm going to try that. I'm going to put that into practice rely on your strength and see if that helps me experience blessing with my time. So get all 10 of them down and then we'll come back at the end and you see which one the Lord leads you to. All right, here we go. Number one, first way to move from stress to blessed with time is get better at planning. Get better at planning. And all of God's planners said, amen, right? Some of y'all are planners. You're really fired up right now. Some of you are spontaneous. I just lost you. Hang with me. There's nine more, Okay. I said, you don't have to do all 10, right? But seriously, just a little bit of planning helps. In fact, did you know that every minute spent in planning saves 10 in implementation? So where can you plan better? I mean, could you maybe plan every day before you actually did the day, lived the day, started the day? Plan every week before the week? Plan every month before the month? And it may not be in all areas of your life, maybe it's just in your financial life or in your... You know, health, or, or maybe in your marriage, or with your kids, or with vacations. I, I mean, I don't know, but is there an area of your life that, if you just got a little better—not hundred percent better, but like five percent better—if you got a little better at planning, it would begin to alleviate some stress. Look at what Proverbs says. We're going to be in Proverbs quite a bit today. Twenty-four, twenty-seven. Put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. So there's some planning. You want to build a house? Well, there's a few things you need to do first. Jesus actually used that exact same example in the New Testament, right? So first thing, you want to move from stress to blessed, get better at planning, right? Number two, understand the difference between urgent and important. Now, I'm not going to spend equal amount of time on all 10 of these. So I'm going to spend a little bit more time on this one because I think it's important that we see this. That stress in our life doesn't always result from doing something that's important. Stress in our life doesn't always result necessarily from hard work. But anytime you're doing something that's urgent, I can guarantee you you're going to experience some stress. So we got to see the difference between these two. And I love four quadrants. I just think they're fun. And if you call Vaughn Forrest Home, you know this about every other series, I'm gonna throw four quadrants up on the screen. All right, so here we go. These are my four quadrants for urgent and important. I didn't create this, all right? You can Google this and find it and it'll look a lot cooler than this, but this is clear and I prefer clear over cool. But I wanna walk you through these four quadrants and I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about time and see if some of this makes sense, all right? So the first quadrant is anything in our life that is urgent and important. Here's the big word for that stress. So back in January, I'm eating lunch one day and an email pops in to my inbox while I'm eating lunch and it's my water bill. And I usually don't check the water bill email because I pay my bills on two different days of the month and it wasn't the day of the month to pay the bills. But I thought I'm eating lunch. I'll see what the water bill is. So I click on it. I open it. And the water bill is seven times more expensive than it typically is. Can I tell you what I felt in that moment? Immense stress. Because here's what I realized. We got a leak somewhere. Now, I knew the leak wasn't in our house because the house would have flooded by now with the water bill being that much. So I know it's somewhere on the property. Well, here's the challenge with that. We have six acres on our property. So I've now got to figure out, i got to pinpoint where is a leak on our property coming and, and, and six acres, because it's just costing money every single second. I got this big bill that now I have to pay. So I start immediately, I stop eating lunch and I start making phone calls. I'm, I'm Googling like you do, right? Research, Google. I'm trying to find who can fix this. And everybody I called, they're like, well, we're booked for the next three weeks. Next person's like, we're booked for the next two weeks. So I just went home and got a shovel and started digging up my yard. I'm like, we'll figure this out, right? I mean, I got to do something. Why? This is stressful. Because this is urgent and important at the same time. Okay. You ever been there? Your kid lets you know something's due tomorrow. I've known about it for three weeks, right? But you find out now. This is now urgent and important, okay? So when that happens, you're gonna experience stress. The second quadrant is something that feels urgent, but it's not necessarily important. This is where discernment is helpful. Can I tell you what feels urgent but isn't important when someone text messages you? It's designed to create false urgency, okay? Like if someone texts you right now, in this sermon, in the name of Jesus, rebuke that text. And listen, all right, don't, don't you open that text message, okay? But it feels urgent. It's like, ah, who's texting me? This is when it gets dangerous when you're driving. You're driving along and, and your phone, if it vibrates or it makes a fun little whatever, whatever you've put in and it'll let you know. And what are you thinking? Something's happened to one of my children. Oh my goodness. I've got to check that, right? Like it feels like it's urgent. And unfortunately, we know this. A lot of people have gotten in serious car accidents because of a false sense of urgency to check their phone while they're driving. I want everybody to tell me, what did you learn in driving school? Where are your hands supposed to be? Where are they? Ten and two. All right. You keep your hands on ten and two and you ignore that phone, all right? It'll get you killed in a car wreck, right? It's not that important. It just feels that important, right? Quadrant three is it's not urgent, but it's super important. What's not urgent but really important? Eating healthy today? What's not urgent, but really important? Doing some exercise. Well, what What's not urgent, but it's really important? Like dating your spouse. So someone else doesn't start dating your spouse. Okay, That's just for free, okay? What is important, but not super urgent? Spending quality time with your kids. If you're a grandparent, spend quality time with your grandparents. And if you don't plan for these things, eventually it's gonna catch up with you. But nothing about your life is making it feel urgent right now. And then obviously quadrant four, not urgent, not important, just kind of, wasting time. Now, here's the point of all of this. Our goal is to live in this quadrant, quadrant three. How many things in your life could you live in that quadrant? I'm going to intentionally use my time to do what's important without it always feeling urgent. So I mentioned my water bill earlier. When when are your bills due? Well, pay them two weeks ahead of time. Students, if you have a paper due, for Pete's sake, don't wait till the last minute, okay? And then conveniently get sick, all right? So that, you know, don't do that, all right? Go ahead and get the paper done, okay? What is it that you can plan ahead? I, I, I want to work on things that are important, not urgent. So those message notes that you're holding, Okay. So I don't, I don't know if you know this, I teach on Sundays, okay, but the message notes, I have to turn them in by the end of the day on Tuesday, and if I don't have them done by Tuesday, my, my you know, absolute deadline, can't happen anything beyond, is noon on Wednesdays, okay? Why? Because we don't, as a church, want to function in an urgent manner. Like, well, the pastor writes the sermons on Saturday nights. Well, then there. So you, you, okay, let's write it on Tuesdays. Let's write it on Wednesdays. Okay, we can always tweak. We can always do what we need to do later if there's adjustments they need to make. We can always change plans if we make plans and we have to tweak the plans. Okay, but as much as possible, how many things can you move into that quadrant? Right. Here's the verse that I want you to consider. This is Jesus in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Can I tell you this morning, Jesus wants to give you rest. Jesus doesn't want you to go through life just on edge at all times, completely stressed. But listen, there's some choices you can make to cooperate with how you receive that rest. And if everything about your life is out of control and urgent, it's going to be difficult for you to experience the rest that Jesus has for you. All right, next. Next way we move from stress to blessed. Prioritize properly each day. Prioritize properly, okay? Okay. It doesn't matter if you're a stay at home parent, doesn't mean if you have a career, doesn't matter if you're retired, it doesn't matter if you're a student. Most of us, every single day, have something we need to get done. Okay? Maybe someone's telling you to get it done, maybe you're choosing to get it done. But the moment you have two things to get done, you gotta choose which one's more important. I mean, heaven forbid if you have three things you have to get done, right? I think about the most you could probably aim for is five. Like, what if you have five things you gotta get done? How do you choose which thing you need to get done first? You know what's easy to do is put off the thing you don't want to do or put off the thing that's not much fun. But see, if you put off something that actually should have been prioritized properly, the whole time you're not doing it, there's this little voice in your head reminding you you're putting that off, reminding you it's not going to be much fun. So you got to prioritize. As you prioritize, it helps you begin to experience more blessing with your time. Look at this verse, Proverbs 27, 23. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. I need everybody to go home today and check on your flocks. Everybody go home today and check on your herds. Okay? That is not the application of this verse. What is the application of this verse? Hey, what's important that you need to stay on top of? Because in this society, if you didn't know the condition of your herds or the condition of your flocks, some bad things were going to happen. That was your livelihood, okay? Prioritize. You got to make sure you keep the most important things the most important things. All right, here we go next to way to experience blessing. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. <laughs> I mean, we could just move on to the next point, right? Don't be lazy, okay? Don't be lazy. I mean, honestly, right? Sometimes we just need to get a little hop in our step. I mean, sometimes we just need to kind of hit, let both feet hit the floor and say, all right, Lord, another day. Woo, let's go. I mean, sometimes we just kind of got to kick it into gear. We got to take it up a notch. I mean, it's so easy sometimes when you know, you're God's people and you're Christ's followers. And, you know, we're just going to, we're not, we're going to wait on the Lord. We don't want to get ahead of God. Absolutely. Let's wait on the Lord. And let's not get ahead of God, but it doesn't mean really have to be lazy. And for many of us, just a little more effort, not a hundred percent more effort, but like 5% more effort. You could get a lot more done. Just not being lazy. Okay. I love this passage from Proverbs. It's helpful look what it says. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Are you offended? The Bible called you a sluggard, all right? When's the last time you called somebody a sluggard? You can, and you can say in Jesus' name. I'm kidding. Don't do that, okay? (laughs) Go to the ant, you sluggard. Bible's calling us names. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. We can learn a lot from ants. And, I mean, glory to God in Alabama, they're everywhere. So you can learn at all times in this state, all right? They're everywhere. You step in them. They're all over you, okay? But there's a point there. God's trying to help us. See, how I created those little ants. God marvels in the ants. And God says we can learn from the ants, okay? So there's just that level of effort that if we'll kind of bring it a little bit more when we're working, when we're doing things, it can help us alleviate stress, all right, when it comes to our time. Number five, maximize mornings. Mornings are a gift, Mornings are a gift. And if you want to move from feeling so stressed with your time to experience blessing in your time, maximize your mornings. Now I know some of you are night owls and some of you are morning people, but I am a living testimony that that can be changed. Okay, So my natural wiring is to be a night owl. And for years, I was a night owl. That's just kind of how I was wired. And then about 15 years ago, I just decided I'm going to change that. I'm going to change that. I want to become a morning person. And so I decided I'm going to become a morning person. You're like, you can make that choice? Yes, because you're living your life. There's no monkey in your brain pulling a bunch of strings. You actually get to live your life. So I just decided I want to become a morning person. How, how could I do that? And I started reading and researching and asking other crazy people who are morning people, how does this work? I'm trying to learn, okay? And what I learned, and this is pretty, it was pretty you know, eye-opening for me, is that if you get up super early at the same time every morning, your body gets really tired earlier in the day. I know, blew my mind, right? So after doing that for about three or four months, it's like my body at night started saying, we got to shut this thing down because you're getting up early. Like your body adjusts if you make the decision first. So I became a morning person. And now all these years later, I'm a morning person. And I can't tell you the blessing that's been in my life. And your mornings can just be this incredible gift. I mean, maybe you're going through a really busy season at work. Like I just can't get it all done. You, you could get up super early and get some stuff done. You're like, you mean you want me to work from home before they pay me? That's exactly what I'm telling you. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Because as a Christ follower, you do your work unto the Lord, not for the boss. You just get up a little earlier. Like, I know I need to get my health under control, and I know I need to exercise. And I've heard that these weird people go to exercise classes at 5 a.m. Are you suggesting that? I am. I am. Now, let me give you a fair warning though. If you go to an exercise class at five in the morning, the only people who are there, they don't look like they need to be there. I'm just going to tell you right now. Okay. You're going to walk in and want to go, you won, go home. Let the unhealthy people take it from here. Okay. I'm just going to tell you. All right. So just be forewarned. It's not the most comfortable experience. They've been doing it for years and you're just showing up on a Tuesday. All right. Like there might be other things like I, I need to get along with the Lord. Well, if you've got kids in your house, the only time you're going to be alone with the Lord and it's actually going to be a quiet time is if you do it before they wake up. Because they're loud. Is that just my home? They are loud, okay? You can maximize your mornings. There's something that happens when you spend time alone with the Lord in the morning before you tackle your day. It's a supernatural experience, okay? So let's go to the book of Psalms. We've been in Proverbs a little while. Let's go to Psalms. I will sing of your strength when? In the morning, I will sing of your love, for you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. It just kind of gets your heart going in the right direction when you maximize your time in the morning with the Lord. And then there's lots of other things you can also do in the morning. And if you'll maximize your mornings, I'm telling you right now, it may take a minute, it may take a few months, it may take 90 days to get a new habit established, but you're going to begin to experience some blessing when it comes to your time, right? Number six, fight against perfectionism. This one's hard, okay? If you're wired to be a perfectionist, this one can be challenging. And here's what I'm trying to free you up to see perfectionism is robbing you of time. Perfectionism is causing you stress. Now, does that mean we don't have standards? Of course not. There needs to be standards and we need to do things the right way. But perfectionism is an unrealistic expectation, and here's the key, that only exists in your mind. It doesn't exist in anyone else's mind. And if you struggle with perfectionism, that's something you can take before the Lord. Say, Lord, I need some help with this. I really struggle with this. But it's robbing you. It's creating stress for you. My brother tells a story that I think really illustrates this well. So I got a brother. His name's Chad. I'm his big brother. He's my little brother. And he and his wife live right outside Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. And they also have three boys. And so when we get together, there are six boys and someone always gets hurt. That is always how that happens, okay? So uh, Chad has his own business in architectural landscape design and installation. So he can like draw all of these incredible installation projects for businesses and people that live on the beach and they can go in and they can install it. And, and it's fascinating. And it, I marvel at his giftedness. And he got this degree from a place that the Lord blesses called the University of Georgia. I'm, I shouldn't have worked that in. Okay. I just did. I couldn't help myself. I don't know if y'all have seen the scores lately, go dogs. But anyway, so he went there and he got his degree to the glory of God. And one of the things that he said was while he was getting this degree that the students in his degree program would spend weeks on projects because they're drawing, architectural drawings and things like that. And his last year, he had this professor that would give them an assignment and make it due in like two days. And they'd all freak out. They're like, we can't do this in two days. And Chad said, I went and met with him. He's like, look, man, I-, I can't get this project turned around in two days. And the professor said, well, if you want to do this for a living, you better learn how to do that. Because when you're out there and you have a job one day and someone wants you to draw something for them, they're not going to wait around for two weeks for you to get it perfect. It doesn't need to be perfect. You need to get it good enough so that you can take it to a customer one day and then they're gonna tweak it. They're gonna change it. You'll collaborate with them and you'll ultimately meet the need of your customer. Chad says the best lesson I ever learned. Because he was so focused on perfectionism that he wasn't being realistic about how this was actually going to work in the real world. And that's a helpful story for all of us. That sometimes we spend so much time on something that if we would just give ourselves a little bit of slack, we'd be able to kind of move forward and not experience so much stress. Look at this verse. I'm going to give you an application of this verse to this point. Galatians one twelve. For I am now seeking the approval of man or God. This is what Paul's asking. And this word man is, is not gender specific. It's mankind. So who are you seeking the approval of? People or God? If I'm trying to please man, and if I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So if I'm still trying to please a person, if I'm still trying to please a person, whoever that person is, if you're trying to please them, you're not trying to please God. Can I just kind of level with you this morning? Sometimes that person's yourself. Sometimes that person is perfectionism in your own mind that you keep trying to please and it's robbing you from the joy God has for you in your life. That might be someone else. That's obviously an application of this verse. But far too often when it comes to perfectionism, it's our own self that that we're measuring, trying to measure up against and God's not even holding you to that standard and it's creating stress in your life, right? Let me give you the next principle, next way that we can move from stress to blessed. Just stop doing some things. That's kind of fun, Right? Just go home today and go, I'm just not going to do that anymore. Laundry, forget about it. not doing that anymore. Our kids can smell. I could care less, right? So just stop. I'm just not going to do that anymore. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, there's probably some things you're spending time on you can just stop doing. I remember it was uh, Mother's Day this year. So Sundays are nuts for us. So Morgan's the kids' minister here and, you know, just trying to figure out, lunch on Sunday. It's usually like, did you pick up lunch or did I pick up lunch? And, you know, thank the Lord for San Marcos and Chipotle and all the other fine establishments in our town, or we'd never eat on Sundays, okay? So, it's just always kind of those. So, on Mother's Day, like, I was trying my best for it not to be that way, but I'm sure I dropped the ball somewhere, and my amazing wife still, you know, figured it all out. So, finally, it's like Sunday afternoon, and I'm like, okay, Morgan, like, it's Mother's Day. The boys have given her gifts. Like, you just relax and enjoy the rest of the day. And she's like, I can't, Adam. She's like, I got to clean the bathrooms, I'm like, you're not cleaning the bathrooms on Mother's Day. She's like, no, they need to be clean. I am like, there is an Old Testament verse in the Hebrew that says you can't clean bathrooms on Mother's Day. She didn't buy it either, okay? But I was like, you can't do that. She's like, they've got to be clean. I'm like, well, then I'll clean them. I was like, now I know I won't do it as well as you, but like, just give me a shot. Just give me one shot. Like, I will clean the bathrooms. She's like, really? I'm like, yes, I've done it before. And she's like, okay, fine. I'll go clean the bathrooms. So like I go clean the bathrooms. And the entire time I'm cleaning the bathrooms, there's only one question I'm asking myself. Why am I doing this? What am I doing? Why, God gave us children. Isn't that why he gave us children? To clean our bathrooms? All they do is make them dirty. Like, this is ridiculous. And we have three boys. They're really good at making them dirty. And I'm like, this is so crazy. Why am I cleaning bathrooms? Why is Morgan cleaning bathrooms? We should both just stop. We're gonna go and strike. We're not gonna clean bathrooms anymore. And our children are gonna be forced to clean the bathrooms to the glory of God. And I made this decision that day. And, and I realized I've got this little caddy. Do you know what I'm talking about? You get these little Target, Walmart. I don't, I'm don't. i probably not even calling that the right thing. So, But and it holds all the stuff, right? So it's like this sprayer for for that and that sponge for that because my wife is very detailed okay so all of those different sponges and sprays and don't do this on the tub and that in the mirror i'm like i can go buy more of these i could literally take some masking tape slap it on the side and put sam and then i could on this one slap tape jacob and i could assign this to them right they could have their own that's what we're doing we're working on this it's called toilet toilet cleaning training 101 with dad that's what we're working on right now okay honestly it's not going well at all so pray for my pray for us okay I've actually considered an instructional video and putting it on YouTube and they would probably pay more attention than listening to me, okay? Are your kids like that or just mine, right? So anyway, I'm trying to teach them, learn how to do some things. What are some things you're doing that your children can start doing? What are some things you're doing that you just need to let somebody else take care of? And could that free up some time, okay? That's ultimately why this matters because time, it's not a renewable resource. There's only so much time. There's some things we should stop doing, okay? Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So be super intentional. Maybe there's something you're doing you could stop doing. Put your kids to work, all right? They'll, they'll thank you later, all right? Next, moving from stress to bless, social media waste time. Just write it in all caps. And, and I don't wanna be a hypocrite because I'm on social media, okay? I'm on Facebook and I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram and I don't even, if someone says, are you on? No, 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 I can't, I can't do anything else. This is all I got, okay? And I actually think social media can be a blessing, I think it can help us spread the gospel. I think it can help us in discipleship. I think it can help us stay connected to people. We've moved around a lot, so it's nice to stay connected to people. But that's only if you're intentional with it. If you're haphazard and it's just kind of casual, it's just wasting time. I I looked it up this morning because I wanted to see. I just want to make sure I got the most accurate data up to date. So as of this morning, it might have changed the last few hours, as of this morning, the average American is now spending two hours a day on social media. That is two hours of your life every single day. You're never going to get back. Five minutes here, 10 minutes there, 20 minutes there. So I'm not telling you that social media is evil and bad, but I am telling you it will waste your time. So if you can't manage it, okay, if you can't be intentional about it, then you need to take a break from it. Just take a 30-day fast from social media. And if you can't do that, then you need to delete the apps, And if you can't do that, you need to take your smartphone, put it in a bowl of water, freeze it in your freezer, and leave it there until Jesus returns. You'll have a better life, promise you right now, okay? Like if it's controlling you that much, just get rid of it. People lived on this planet for centuries without smartphones, I know. We can't even consider that now, right? But you, you can do without this, and it's wasting your time, okay? Look at our passage here. Good warning, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. What what does that mean? What it means is there's things in this world that will combat you for your life, rob you of your life, evil things from this world that may not necessarily be evil on the surface, but if they rob you of the life God's given you, they become evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And the Lord's will is not for you to waste two hours of your day, every single day, right? Let's move on. Next principle, take many breaks, but not too many. So we're not talking about being machines here. You're not a human doing, you're a human being. God didn't create you to just be on go at all times. So it's good to take breaks throughout your day. I think maybe a good standard to shoot for, I think college classes are usually you know 60 to 90 minutes. And so maybe you could stay focused for 90 minutes and take a 10 to 15 minute break. You know, stay focused for an hour, take a five-minute break. Stay focused for an hour and a half, take a 10-minute break. Whatever works for you and however it is you just spend your day. If you're at home all day, like I'm going to work on this for the next hour and a half, and then I'm going to give myself a 10-minute break. Okay? So you want to take a lot of little breaks throughout the day, but not too many that you don't get anything done. And I love this next story. Before we read this story, let me kind of set it up for a second. I think this is fantastic. So Jesus' disciples, if you really study them, they kind of uh, ebbed and flowed. Like, we, we sometimes go, the disciples never got it. And there were some times they actually were doing some pretty good things. This is one of those times. Like, these guys were getting it done. Like, they, they, were, they were prioritizing properly. They were planning their day. They were doing a lot of work for the kingdom. The problem was they'd missed lunch. And Jesus calls them out on it. So it's a really fascinating little story where these guys are being super productive. They just forgot to take a break. So Mark chapter 6, look at this. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. I mean, they're getting it done. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. They're telling Jesus how productive they're being. And Jesus is like, yeah, but you didn't eat lunch. And God created you to actually need to eat food. So guys, that's great. But here's what Jesus is saying. You need to take a break. You need to take a break. We're going to take a break. We're being super productive. Lots of great things are happening for the kingdom. But we're going to go to a quiet place so you can grab lunch and you can get some rest. So don't ever feel like managing time well and not experiencing stress and being blessed means that you're always doing something. It doesn't mean that at all. Rest is actually a gift from God. And that leads us to our last kind of way that we can move from stress to blessed with our time is to intentionally create margin. You've got to be really intentional about creating margin in your life, margin in your schedule, margin with your days, margin with your weeks, margin with your months. How is it that you can connect with the people who mean the most to you in the middle of all of the things that you've got going on? Well, you've got to be intentional about creating that margin. Look what our verse says here, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. And here's the key part of the verse. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that God's desire for your life is that there's an overflow? And for many of us, that reality is so far-fetched because our cup is already empty. I mean, we're not even experiencing fullness, much less an overflow. And yet, that's what God would say is that our life should overflow. Now, listen, not by your strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. How do you create overflow in your life? For joy, it's through margin. Unless you create margin, there will be no overflow. And I learned these three phrases that I want to share with you 22 years ago when I started in ministry. Someone shared them with me. And I believe the first person who ever said them was Pastor Rick Warren out at Saddleback Church in Southern California. So I've, I've tried to live my life by these three statements for 22 years. I haven't always gotten it right, but it's helped me with margins. So I'm leaving you today with these, okay? Divert daily. Every single day, is there a point in your day where you just say, that's enough when it comes to being productive, getting things done. I'm gonna focus my heart on the Lord or I'm gonna focus with the people who I care about the most, my spouse, my kids, if you're a grandparent, your grandkids, Okay that eventually we have to all get to a place in our lives where we choose to just stop. We divert. Okay, Lord, I'm going to focus on you. Now, for me, that's in the mornings. It's also in the evenings. Like when I get home from work, like work is off. Like I don't take my phone to the dinner table. I don't return emails unless it's a crisis, and those things do happen from time to time. But the rhythm, the pattern is a daily diversion, okay? Withdraw weekly. The biblical word for this is Sabbath. Is there one day a week that you can just rest, replenishment, soul-nourishing rest? Not just being lazy and laying on the couch all day, but rest, where you reconnect with God in a new way, where you reconnect with the people you care about the most in a new way. The Sabbath has a lot of power in our lives. Now, for me, my Sabbath is on Friday because Sunday is a work day for me. For some of you, you choose to make Sabbath, uh, Sunday your Sabbath. But is there a day? Is there a day, and this is amazing, where you contribute nothing and you recognize the sun still came up. Wow. You contribute nothing and God's mercies are still there. Is there a day where you can reflect and go, how did things go over the last week? What went well? What didn't go so well? How could I make some changes and maybe adjust a few things going into this next week? So that's a really healthy thing. It's a really healthy way to create margin. And then finally, abandon annually. Hey, is there one week a year Where you could just totally like close up shop, emotionally speaking, and go do something a lot of fun, and it doesn't have to be a trip. It doesn't have to be a bunch of money. Like I'm a big believer in like the thing I think it's called like a staycation. Like we don't have the money to go anywhere. We've done that many times over the years, but we're just going to treat this week differently. We're going to do some things a little differently. We're going to abandon a little bit for the good of our soul. Why is that? It's an intentional rhythm of margin. Do this day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. You're not going to always get it right, but over time, here's here's what will become the culture of your home, the culture of your life. Some margin. Is it going to alleviate all stress? Of course not, but will it help you move from the overall feeling of stress with time to blessing with your time? Yes. So take a look at your list. Okay, told you up top. Don't want you to try all 10. That's a formula for disaster, formula for failure. Is there one, two, or three that you could look at right now? I can see you, all right? Look at your notes, all right? I need you to follow instructions, all right? Look at your list. Is there one, two, or three? Put an asterisk, put a star, put a circle. You might like squares and triangles. I don't care what your shape of choice is. Is there some way you could like denote? Yes, yes. I'm going to try to put this one into practice. I actually think based on my season of life, based on everything that I've got going on right now, based on my current responsibilities, I could probably give this one a try. And as you give it a try through the power of the Holy Spirit, see if it doesn't produce blessing in your life. So let me pray for you that you'll rely on God's strength and not your own as you do that. And so God, we do come to you and we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you that our life is expressed through how we use our time. And we thank you that your word has a lot of guidance for us as we seek to use that time well. So Lord, as we seek to put these challenges from your word into practice, help us to rely on your strength and on your wisdom and help us to experience blessing when it comes, the time that you've given us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. So I hope you're encouraged.